are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I love reading the accounts of the great missionaries and the great preachers of yesteryear and the miracles that God performed. Can you imagine being at George Mueller's orphanages and no food? And he sat hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids, nearly a thousand down. He sat them down and said, we have no food to eat, but let's thank the Lord. They bowed their head and began, he began to pray. He believed in not telling anybody the needs. He just believed in prayer. And it was a mighty man of prayer. And he went to God in prayer. He said, Lord, these children, they're without mothers and fathers. They're without family and home. This is their home. And I'm to feed them today, this meal. And we literally have no food for the children. Would you please send in some food? And you know the account if you've read it. Uh, at that exact moment, a truck broke down and food came because they said it's spoiled. Do you want the food? And they fed the children. Uh, I think of the day that a man walked into Dr. Lee Robertson and said, you led me to Christ. I have $10 million for your ministry. Recently, and you don't know the church, and I won't tell you, but a young man, and he's trying to keep the church moving, going full steam ahead, and the breath of God's on his life, and a man left him a will over three and a half million dollars and said, this is for your church to go forward. You know, it happens all the time. We're having people, our own son right now is working, and it looks like it's a miraculous thing. It looks like the Lord just may give them a building to buy and to purchase. The church has already voted on it. It's an amazing thing. It's going to be three years of age, the church, and they're going to get a building that's only about two or three years old. It's a church building. It's empty. They'll get the chairs, the pulpit, all that. God can do that. God can do anything. God is not a miracle-working God in the missionaries of yesteryear only and the preachers of yesteryear, but everything you see in this ministry is a modern-day miracle. I'm amazed. I said it this morning. We're coming up on the 46th anniversary. 46 years ago, we did not have a church. We did not own one thing. We did not have a building. We did not have a property. We did not have a psalm book. We did not have an offering plate. We did not have a Lord's table set. We did not have a piano. We had absolutely 46 years ago right now, nothing, zero. But look what God has done in 46 years. The other property is filled tonight and they're in their services this evening and a beautiful, a beautiful 66,000 square foot building that's valued at $16 million. This property over $40 million. God's been so good to us. A Christian school, a college, a radio ministry, a bus ministry, worldwide missions just finished the 400th church that you paid the pastor's salary for a year and you built them the building. 400 hundred new churches going in the United, in the land of the Philippines. I'm so thankful for the 140-some missionaries that we support every single month. I thank God for the people of God, all that he's doing, KNBBC, live streaming. We still serve a miracle-working God. But I'm not ready to roll up the sidewalks yet. I want to 
speak to you on this subject tonight. Set up for miracles. As you look at the Bible, God provides miracles for those people that have always suffered first. People that went through struggle. Think of what people went through hardships. I think of just about a month ago, a little bit more, maybe five weeks ago, you were sitting out here in these tents. We were sitting out here, pastor's conference. We had prayed for good weather and it was the worst weather we ever enjoyed. We having a man preach on on uh, brother, uh, brother Epley was preaching, Brother Sam Epley, and while he preached in California, I'm talking about California where this doesn't happen, the hailstones came just pouring down on this place and the people never moved. The people loved it. They said amen and stayed right with it. Singing groups singing out here at different times in those last 13 months and it begins to rain. They pop up an umbrella and they just sing with an umbrella and that's just the way it is. Pianists is playing out here. Instrumentals get an umbrella and play and someone holds it. I'll tell you what, it's a miracle. You run the buses on Saturday. We keep them half filled. God's doing something and I really believe believe with all my heart, God has set us up for the best is yet to come. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if that park is going to be ours. I don't know if that school is going to be ours. I don't know if the Kaufman's house is going to be ours over there. That's part of it. I, I don't know all that's happening. I don't know if there's going to be a citywide revival and a breaking and a turning back to God and people coming day and night, day and night, day and night and say, what must I do to be saved? And I don't know what's going to happen. But friend, we are literally at a point where you watch God has, God will. The very fact we're still a church 13 months later, outside of a big building, out in the cars tonight, people around the corner, I can't even see you, even I wish I could, I see the tops of cars and they go around the corner down the street, God bless you for being at the house of God. And this way I see you going around, I wish I knew what was back over here, but that type of spirit is what God blesses. The disciples, they tried to heal this maniac, this boy, and he could not speak. They failed at it. Notice what the Bible says. Whether server, verse 18, he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth and teareth him, and then foameth and gnasheth his teeth and pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. They couldn't get it done. Jesus, I'm coming to you. And by the way, he is the best source. He is the only source. Jesus said to them, because they came to ask him, verse 28, why could we not cast them out? And he said, this kind. What kind? This miraculous kind. This, this unusual kind. This you cannot describe it time kind. This kind cometh about by, by nothing but prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting preludes the miracles. They come before. You have to have the prayer and the fasting before you have the miracle. And God provided a miracle. I don't know what God's doing, but I truly believe we're being set up. 
I believe God sees this. As Pastor Strove, you just said, I think he sees this. I think this honors him. The church that says, though that plane right there, Southwest Airline is going overhead, we're still in church, and the next one's coming, and the next one's coming, and on Wednesday night is one plane after another plane after another plane. No one's complained, no one's griped, no one's griped about the way we have to do church out here. We just keep coming, we just keep giving, we just keep sacrificing. In the midst of it all, we had the greatest year paying off debt retirement last year. We had the greatest year for worldwide missions. What a blessing God has bestowed on this church, but before there's gain, there always has to be pain. There's always pain. In the Bible, you want gain, you have to go through pain. Adversity always comes before blessing. Let me remind you of some. Our Lord was about to begin his ministry. And as he began to bring his, begin his ministry, the Bible says the Spirit of God drove him to the wilderness. While he was in the wilderness, you talk about suffering and pain. He was there with wild animals, the Bible says. Wild beasts, God's word calls them. And he was there for 40 days. He was hungry. And while I was there, Number three, the devil showed up and all this is against him. And the devil mocked him. If you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. If you're the son of God, cast yourself down. If you're the son of God, you said, you said that you can, you can, and he ridiculed him and scoffed him and he mocked him. And he, the Bible says he's alone in the wilderness for 40 days. As you look in all the Gospels, but you look particularly Mark chapter 1, as soon as it is over, God began his, the Father began the Son's public ministry. And everywhere it went, the people thronged to hear him preach. There had to be pain before there was gain. A little lady had a son by the name of Isaac. She was elderly. She was past the age of bearing children. In fact, when she was told she was going to have a child, she laughed. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible says, is anything too hard for God? God can do that. God can do that. But what a, a little lady by the name of Abraham and her uh, husband and Sarah, they had to be barren and they had to be broken and they had to be tears and she begged for a child. But then a, God brought a blessing in Isaac. And Isaac was the founder of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the blessing for the Jews came through Isaac. I think of that man who became second in command in Egypt, a Jew. But before he became second in command in Jew, as a Jew in Egypt, he had to be rejected by his brothers. Ten of his brothers sold him to slavery they scoffed him, they mocked him, and then lied for 20 years to their dad. And then not only that, while he was delivered out of the pit, went to the Midianites and then sold him. He wound up in Potiphar's house and she lied against the man and he was sent to prison. But as a result of being rejected by brothers and a result of going to prison when he wasn't at fault, God in time said, I've set you up for victory, son. I'm going to bless you. 
You have not denied my name and I'm going to make you second in command and you're going to be the one that preserves your family. There's a man, he was a Jew. He was a stutter. He could not speak. He could not preach. And yet God said, I want you to lead the children of Israel. That man went and he stood before Pharaoh and Pharaoh mocked him. And Pharaoh scoffed him and Pharaoh's heart was hardened and there was 10 plagues and you talk about one plague after another plague and in the midst of it, even his own people turned on him. And there was frogs and there was lice and there was hail and all of it and the waters turned to blood and then the firstborn were slain. You talk about pain. But when they finally left, they had victory. God always blesses pain. I'm thinking about how that those Jews spent 40 years in the wilderness. But after 40 years in the wilderness, God delivered them to Canaan land. It's just in sight. There was a man that was left with 300 soldiers. He had 32,000 soldiers. One day, God said to him, Gideon, tell those men that are afraid to go home. I wonder what it must have been like. Gideon, the least of his family, Manasseh, he said. He said, I'm not worthy of that post. And he went and said, now boys, some of you little sissies are probably wanting to go home to mama. And I think it's so foolish that a man would turn his back on an opportunity like this. But I want you to know if you want to go to mama, you can't leave, you bunch of sissies. 22,000 left. He's now left with 10,000. God says, you still have too many. Go take them and how they lap up the water. They don't do it right. Then you send them home. 9,700 did not do it right. He's left with 300. You talk about experiencing adversity first. I, 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 I've watched preachers all through life. I've watched as they've had adversity after adversity after adversity, and I've watched the blessings of God, how God always comes through. I wish that someone could write, I could not, I'm not a writer. I wish someone could write the book of what God has done here. I wish you knew all that's in my mind of the stories that what God has done in our city, in our area, with our city council, with our mayors, with the school districts. I wish you could know what God has done with our neighbors and how that we receive things that they said, no, it's not possible. I wish you could hear about how all the fundraisers and banquets through the years and what God did and God did it every time. But there's always been pain first. I think of a sweet lady. She was a Jewish woman in a foreign land. And that sweet lady got word as she was the queen that my Jews, my fellow Jews, are going to be slaughtered and killed. For Haman had a plan, an attack. He was going to kill the Jews and slaughter every one of them. And he was going to hang that Mordecai on the gallows. She had to look out as those gallows were being built. Her heart had to break. I said, my own relative's gonna die on those gallows. Queen was not permitted to come into the king's presence, but she did anyway. Handed out the royal scepter and said, come on. And she said, my people are gonna be destroyed. And she said, you know what? If I perish, I perish. I'm not gonna let them go down without a fight. 
I'm fighting for my people. If I die with them, I just so be it, I die. And God gave a miracle. The man that built the gallows, Haman, hung on them. There's a man who was a great builder. He built a wall around the city of Jerusalem in 52 days. But that man was a prisoner of war, a cupbearer in a foreign land. He wasn't with his people. Hananiah came and said to him, as he saw him, the cupbearer in that foreign land, still prisoner of war. And he said, he said, what's the condition of my city, Jerusalem? And I said, the gates thereof are burned with fire. And when he heard these words, he sat down. He wept. He mourned. He fasted. And he prayed. He never told any man what was in his heart. The king, he saw him. He says, what's wrong, cupbearer? And he told the condition of his city. He gave him leave of absence. When he got to the city, he saw the rubble. He said, neither told I any man what God had put in my heart. And at night he got up and for days he walked over that rubble at night and he saw what was there. And he came up and said to the Jews, those people of God, he said, you see the distress that we're in? How the walls are broken down, the city is burned with fire and the gates are burned with fire. Come, let us rise up and build. And they said, we will arise and build with you. Let me tell you something. He was a prisoner of war because before he was a great captain of the army. Before he was a great builder. You always have to go through your freshman year before you get to your senior year. You always have to go through adversity in college. You have to have the experience of losing a job. You have to have experience of many times hearing a phone call from home that's going to break your heart. You have to have sorrow upon sorrow. I think of a special little girl. She's such a wonderful girl. And years ago, on opening day, I recall that she came into my office and someone, a staff member, brought her in. We had prayer together. And her home that had the phone call that day, the whole, the whole family fell apart. Opening day. Opening day. And there it is. What do I do? I said, what are you going to do? She goes, I'm going to go to Bible college. She's graduated. Her sister's graduated. They're serving God. They're faithful. They're dedicated. They're at this thing. I've watched young people through college. When I was in college, I had to watch young people here go through sorrows, deathbeds for dads and for mothers and brothers and sisters and brothers and sisters become prodigals and run away from God. But you stay in college. Why? Because you go through the, the pain and God's going to bring gain. You watch it. He always does. Oh, she prayed so fervently. Every year she went to the house of God. Uh, God, would you just give me a son? And now she was barren and people were mocking her. And she said, oh God, give me a son. I'll give him back to you. And year after year, God never answered the prayer and the heartache and the sorrow and the difficulty. One day God says, Hannah, you're going to have a baby. You're going to call his name Samuel. He'll be a great deliverer. And God answered her prayer. And you get to chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. She kept her word. She did not keep Samuel. Instead, she gave Samuel to the Lord that he might be used of God as a great prophet of God for the people of God. I think of David. Just a boy. Just a teenager. Just a shepherd. Went to see his brothers. And his brothers mocked him. 
and he saw this big giant, nearly 10 foot man, nine foot something, uh, 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 came out, Goliath, defying the armies of Israel. And he made fun of, and, and David said, is there not a cause? And his brother scoffed him. Eliab said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. I know it's, it's amazing what people know how bad we are. And, and, and he said, I'm here to, I, can't somebody do something? And they said, well, we don't want to. We're not going to face a guy like that. He goes, well, I got my slingshot here. And I got five little stones for Goliath and his four brothers. He said, I'll fight them. He had to go through the pain of brothers rejecting him. King Saul rejected him. The people thinking he's a fool. And he went out there and he faced his giant. And he became the king over Israel. Daniel, really a prisoner of war, taken from his mother and dad as a teenage boy, as a teenager in a foreign land, had the opportunity to drink wine and liquor. He said, I'm not going to defile myself. No mother or dad around, no pastor around, no church around, no Christian school around. But he said, I have covenant with God. I am not going to defile myself. They made fun of him. They came to the point they were even going to take his life eventually. But he stood for God. Now he's 90 years of age. Never got back home. He was a teenager. Now he's 90. And they threw him in a den of lions. Not a lion's den, a den of lions. There are a lot of lions there. I placed myself this past week in that mindset. I thought about if there was a lion in a cage here and I was on that side, I wouldn't stand even near the cage. Just the roar of a lion. Just the, the activity of a lion. Just the way they prance would scare me to death. They're from the cat family, I think. But nonetheless, and Daniel was there and he put his head on the, on the pillow of the belly of one of those lions and he went to sleep that night. But God delivered him. He had to be oppressed and God delivered him and he opened up from that day forward all the prophecies that we are living in these days. He saw it. You know, before there's gain, there has to be pain. I think of our Lord. His ministry started and began with the wilderness and the temptation of the devil and the hunger and the wild beast. And then for three and a half years, that ministry and now it's coming to a close. He's in the garden. And all forsook him and fled. They could not even watch with him for one hour. No one there but, but he himself with the Father. And there he was, rejected of men. Then he was taken to Calvary. He hung on the cross. Brother Cooper preached such a powerful message before Easter on a Wednesday night on it. And how he hung on that cross for my sin. And you'd think the devil, he was so excited, he finally won. He conquered Jesus. But oh, friend, there had to be a death because there had to be a resurrection. And the resurrection follows the death. I, live in, I, live, I, I, I lay in bed at night. I, I, I dream all the time. I wonder what God, I know what God has done. I wonder what's next. I wonder what blessings he's going to pour down on the people of God. I don't think, I'm not being humble. I'm, I don't think it would be because of me. I think it's because of his children. He has watched you. 
sit in folding chairs. He's watched you put up chairs. He's watched you take down tents, move tents, and put up sound systems. He's watched you put up microphones. He's watched you put up with all these things that you had to put up with. And yet every time you open the doors to this parking lot, the cars are filled out here. The seats are taken. The altar is always used by God's people. Friend, I think, I believe it. I believe you're being set up for the blessings of God. I don't know how he'll shower them down on your ministry, your life, because of who you are. But you watch what he does. He will do it. I promise you that. There must be pain if you're going to have gain. A little baby really brings nothing into the life but joy. Baby doesn't do anything. Can't even roll over. But a little baby begins to roll over and then the little baby begins to crawl and the little baby begins to uh, 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 stand and then the baby begins to walk and then the baby begins to run. But you go through all those processes. And eventually that child goes off to school and you see how God is blessing the life of that child. Work, you don't start at a big salary, you start at minimum wage. And then God begins to bless your work ethic. And God begins to put people in your life that want to care for you, take care of you. I think a kindergarten, you don't begin with the, doc, uh, the, the school, you don't begin with a doctorate degree or a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. You start in kindergarten learning how to read. And you go through these days of pain and suffering and learning, uh, learning uh, mathematics and one plus one and learning fractions and division and learning algebra, learning ge geometry and learning calculus and learning all the maths and you go all the way through, but you start here so you can end up over here. In the scriptures, there's always weeping first. Weeping may endure for the night. Psalms tells us, verse chapter 30, but joy comes in the morning. I'd like the Lord Jesus to come again, even so, Lord Jesus, come. But if he tarries, I can hardly wait to see what God's going to do for you. You kept repairing the buses. You kept paying the bills. You keep running the buses now. You keep passing 50,000 Bibles door to door last year witnessing to people, telling the good news. You kept broadcasting the message of salvation. These poor men, there's cameras up there, there's a 360 up there, and they're all over the place. And how they figured it all out, I have no idea. But this church has a no-quit policy. Whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. God, God shows us that there's tears before there's joy. There's prayer and fasting before the miracle. I was reading to one of my good deacons this morning, texted me the verse of maybe this afternoon, how that God could do the impossible. He took it from the book of Luke, but I said, I already wrote it in my notes. Matthew 19, the Bible said, for with God, all things are possible. I don't know all that God's going to do, but I do know this. Whatever rule Mr. Newsom makes, whatever rule the county makes, Whatever rule Mr. Biden makes, whatever rule the Supreme Court makes, whatever rule is placed upon this ministry, it doesn't make me afraid because I know that I live underneath the power of an almighty God. 
He's in charge. He's in control. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know what he's going to do. I passed this corner lot. I think, God, I wonder what church member is just going to go buy that for us. I passed this back over here so we'll connect the property to exit out over here on Aldo and have about another 100 parking stalls in a big building. And I pray for it as I pass by there. And I don't know who or what or how. I don't know if they're going to come over here and say, I want to help you. I want to give it to you. I don't know what. But God can do anything but fail. But friend, we first have to be sure that we pass through the wilderness experience. And God's people have. Don't give up. Never give up. Don't quit. Don't be in despair. I love reading about our founding in this country. And I love reading about Edison. Edison was a strange person, but a great inventor. At age 12, he lost his hearing. One ear was completely deaf. The other one could just barely faintly hear some sounds. And yet, with that problem with his ears, can you imagine this? He created a phonograph, and he couldn't even hear it. What an amazing feat. Henry Ford was at a banquet, a dinner. They were scoffing Henry Ford because he thought he could invent something called the combustion engine and have cars and have people be able to travel in these vehicles. They made fun of him. They laughed at him and scoffed at him. At a dinner, he pulled out a piece of paper and began to draw the combustion engine, explain the combustion engine. There's a man sitting there listening to Ford speak. He was about four tables away. They said you would see that man, older man, lean over and watch it and watch the drawing and listen to the conversation. Suddenly that man that was elderly, Ford was a young man, suddenly that man slapped the table and as he slapped it with his fist, he slapped it and said, my son, you've got it. That's it. You've got it. That's it. That's going to work. That was Thomas Edison. And Ford said it was the fist pounding on the table that gave me courage over people scoffing and laughing and thinking I was a fool. And now we have the Model T that soon came out. I don't need to go through the list. I have them in my office on a plaque, on a wall, on a picture, on a, on a, on a, on a poster of, of uh, the great president, Abraham Lincoln. And how Abraham Lincoln failed at everything. Every race he tried to win, every job he tried to have, bankrupt as a lawyer, the mercantile went under, everything he tried in life, he, he just failed, 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 failed. Vice presidents, he failed, he did not get it. And then one day in 1860, he became the president of the United States. He won. He went through failure after failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. His dear wife had lost one son. She lost the second in the White House. He died. Now two boys are gone. She went upstairs and she pulled the curtains she shut herself in for the reign of his presidency. As she shut herself in, she kept everything dark and everything black and everything ghostly. She turned to almost what we would call today Satanism. She fought him on every, every front. He had on top of that the Civil War. 
They're seeking to have freedom for all mankind. There it was in aging before us. If you see any pictures from 1860 to 1865, he became an old man overnight. One day in the spring, uh, his wife said, Abe, let's take the carriage and go to the country. That afternoon, they, he took off from the presidency and they went to the country. They had such a wonderful day. For the first time in years, she was kind to him. She was always mean, always cruel to her own husband. And she said, Abe, let's go to Ford's Theater tonight. I, I want to see they have a play going there. I'd like to watch it tonight. They went to Ford's Theater, and you know what took place. He was shot and killed that night. You said, well, that's the pain, the pain. What's the gain there? I'll tell you what the gain was. America gained. He delivered freedom for mankind. Oh, we still had things to go through. We still had things to correct with the races of our society, with the North and the South and the division that was there. But he was used to begin to unify, even in his death. And though he did not see the gain, we gained from that man. You know, the biggest victories always come through the biggest obstacles. Our son pastors in Arizona, there's that great Grand Canyon there and Colorado River that comes through. That's an amazing place as you look at it. It's 277 miles long. It's 18 miles wide at its largest place with it's 7,000 feet deep. But what creates that as it continues to create it? The river below it. Below it is granite. Below it is limestone. Below it is heavy rock. But that, that river, Colorado River, keeps punching against it and punching against it and punching against it. And it chips away and it chips away and it chips away. And it's still sinking. But to have a Grand Canyon like that took a long time and took a lot of effort. I think sometimes some young men think, I'd like to have a 3,000 seat auditorium. I'd like to have multiple auditoriums like this property has and the other property has. I'd like to have two gymnasiums like this ministry has, two dining halls like this ministry has, and two computer company labs as this place has, and all the things that God has done. But I think what you need to remember that the people of God here did not start with any of this. I recall when we were building over there, and I said, folks, we're going to start building a building. It's going to take a year. It's going to cost us $505,000. It wound up costing us $1.2 million. It did not get completed in 52 weeks. It got completed in 104 weeks, two years instead of one. When I began the project, I said, people, we will not have one parking stall on this property. We'll not have one. We won't have one for senior citizens. We won't have one for special physical needs. We won't have a parking stall. 
I'm going to have to ask you for these neighbors not to park in the neighborhood. You're going to have to park in the public schools at Catherine Hughes, at Montague. You're going to have to park back over here where they're starting to build these warehouses. I said Sunday school will be in these back roads and the buses. I can recall us meeting for two years like that and growing each year. God's people, to my knowledge, never complained. They never gave up. We hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. I can recall building that building. My uncle Bill was the builder. He uh, is with the Lord. And I would say to him so many times, I told you this recently. I said, Uncle Bill, I said, Saturday night, we're out of money. We can't go on another week. We're just going to have to call, pull, pull, pull the plug on it and just wait and raise money. He said, son, never, never stop. Let's make progress. I recall Brother Skirty when he said, let's just start buying two by fours every week. Let's start buying two by sixes. Let's start buying two by eights. We bought about six truckloads. We've had a five-yard dump truck. We bought six truckloads of 16 penny nails to build that building. I recall, I said, let's square, sell the square footage, the foundation. Let's get that done. And we'd color it in every week with a yellow marker and, and made sure that people saw we were making progress. I, I can recall that, that one thing after another, it was just obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. I think of a man who's passed away now, but was against us so badly. He wasn't a member of our church. And he kept turning us in for violations to the city. I can remember when one day there was an electrical explosion on the back. We had pled with them, remove these power lines behind the Montague, by Montague Express. They, they're right up against our building. Remove these power lines. And they, the city said, no, no, no. And I remember some, some metal piece of, uh, from Lath reached over and it touched that. An explosion took place. And it blew the worker through the air. And then he went down the three floors and he had a pick on his belt. And that pick stuck into the, uh, into the, the, the wood on the plank. Before he hit the bottom, he was passed out, laying there, blew a hole in his hip. The building caught fire because all through the building, everywhere there was metal, it started. And I can recall starting up here burning. And then what is now the bell tower, it, the bell tower started burning. And in the auditorium started burning. I got a garden hose and tried to put that thing out. Fire department came, ambulances came, police came, city officials came. The lawsuit began. The city blamed us and my uncle, God bless him, said, no, sir, we came to you repeatedly and we, you better just pray we don't sue you. I'll never forget it. In time they let us build again, we finished it. Oh, you talk about this entire ministry, it's never been easy. It's always been hard. And I believe it's still gonna be hard, but you watch. I believe God's people tonight, it's an unusual message, but I believe COVID has set us up for the blessing of God. COVID's become a friend to this church because you watch what God does. Most churches in America, God forbid, even in this area, they're just still closed. They don't want to have church. 
It's an easy life for many pastors. You don't have to make a hospital visit. You don't have to have a funeral. You don't have to have a wedding. You don't have to do any of these things. You don't have to have a school. You don't have to have Sunday school. You preach a one little message on Sunday morning, and I tell you, it's a good life. This place has been week after week after week with weddings right here. We've had funerals. We've had homegoings. We've had graduations. We've had revival meetings. God is doing something because of COVID. Huge blessings, huge blessings. Always follow great trial. My dear sweet friend, he'd be a hundred and some years of age if he were still alive. He pastored a church of 12,000 people in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He pastored for 40 years and six months. It pastored before that, but that great Highland Park, they had a sign out front, and it was red, a stop sign they put there, and it was just part of the advertisement of the church, the Church of the Green Light. Worldwide missions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of missions. In top of the attendance, they had 4,000, 5,000 students in Tennessee Temple School. As they began, the church began to fight against them. There's already a well-known church downtown and, and the big shots on the board saw him bringing these bus kids in back in the late 30s, early 40s, said, we don't want those kids. Yet they kept running the buses. They pulled out all the money people pulled out. He was a young man preaching. He was over in Alabama preaching that night and he got a call. His little girl, Joy, was dying. He drove as quickly as he could from Alabama to Chattanooga. When he got there, she was gone. He buried that little girl. His heart was broken. It still was broken. I can recall when he was here, the old building, I can recall him telling the story about joy and he'd just weep as he told about joy. He could have got bitter and quit the ministry. He and his wife, they're both in this thing as joined at the hip like my wife and I have been all these years here. They worked together in that church. They prayed together. He said, we want to do something that joy lives in our hearts. They bought a property called Camp Joy. And they began to build dormitories and, 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 and pavilions. And they began to build uh, tabernacles. I've been there. I've seen it. A great camp, a beautiful camp, a wonderful camp and swimming pools and all of it. But he said, the rule of Camp Joy is I'll raise the money. No child will ever pay a dime to come to Camp Joy. And it'd be filled all summer long, every single week with boys and girls coming to Camp Joy and getting saved. He had heartache before he had gain. I think of what we call the Prince of Preachers, Dr. Tom Malone, born in Alabama, poor, poor as could be. His dad and mother, and this is so unheard of, back in the 30s, his mother and dad could not get along. They divorced. Dad left. Mother tried, and she got a job, and tried to care for the boys, but there was a distance now, a way. She had to work away. She took them to the grandparents and said, you have to raise them. 
the grandparents were very poor. Those boys were scoffed at when they went to school because grandma would take burlap sacks that they had, they had different seeds in and she'd make them their pants out of that burlap. It was not convenient, it was not nice, it wasn't, and people would laugh at the poor boys, flower bags and made shirts for those boys. Dr. Malone would speak with the list. He was a brilliant man, many earned masters, or uh, 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 bachelors and masters and earned doctorate degrees. Brilliant man, brilliant man. Their grandfather was mean. Grandfather was harsh. He lived under that circumstance and lived with dad gone and mom at work. Never see her. And those rags of clothes made fun of my kids and grandpa hard. But he found Christ as a savior and got saved. Became one of the greatest preachers around. Built that great church in Pontiac, Michigan. I want you to know something. The man went through, went through pain before there's gain. I hope that if the Lord tarries and there's a day of my departure, I'd hope that one day some of you would say, when he's dead and gone, I remember out in the parking lot, he said, if there's going to be pain, there's just going to be gain around the corner. COVID's been such a hard thing for everybody. Now, I think some of these government officials would like to have it go on for years, it sounds like. It ratcheted up. But I want to tell you something. He's still on the throne. So what could be wrong? It's well with my soul. I love being out here. If we're out here this summer, I know I'm going to be sweating and you're going to be hot. We'll put more fans out. We'll put away the heaters and we'll do the fans. And we're going to do church and Sunday school and Christian school and radio and college. I believe we've had one of the most unusual years on the campus of Golden State Baptist College. I love every student body we've ever had. But there's something, our faculty tell you, there's something different. It's like they're soldiers of Jesus Christ. I've claimed for them, thou therefore my son endure hardness as a good soldier. It seems like they don't complain. They don't gripe. They walk around with these masks and they have things taken from them and yet they do what they're supposed to do. I believe that God's preparing them for the greatest days of their life. Tonight, I believe God is setting us up for victory. I could say more. But the sun is going down. It's 7.35. Tonight, I don't know what God's going to do for you because I truly believe. I truly believe God's people deserve it. I remember the winters you coming before we could get the nurseries open. And you bring those little babies and the sweet mothers, you bundle them up and you put them in strollers and you put tops up the strollers and you kept them as warm as you could. And they were warm. God saw that. God saw that, you dear mothers. God saw, seen what your families have gone through. He's seen it. And it's all been by faith that God always rewards faith. 
I hope I get to live a long life so I can watch what God's going to do for you. Because I promise you this, I don't know how, but he's going to do it. Because you've met the conditions for his blessing. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.